This week on the Lollygaggers podcast, we steal ourselves for Avengers Endgame by talking about death. Lots and lots of death. Because in this episode, Justin begins sucking at Mortal Kombat 11, while Jeff finishes the first arc of his new favorite comic, Die. For the gentleman's challenge, Kevin Sorbo walks tall, and Justin mistakes 2036 Origins Unknown for a Battlestar Galactica episode. Welcome to episode number 51 of the Lollygaggers Podcast, a show about all sorts of different things, from comics to games, movies to TV. I am one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm the other one, Justin. How's it going, man? It's going great, Justin. We got some complaints last week uh, from every single listener. All seven of our listeners. Uh, oh, said, all of them said that you uh, you were you were a bit de- depressed. So we're not allowed to do banter anymore. Uh, so no more talking banter. <laughs> it's completely gone. Is <laughs> that better? Is that better? It's like, it's like overcompensating. Uh, so yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, I hear you have a new game. Yeah. I do have a new game, so, yeah, so uh, tell us about it. We're kind of recording out of out of time sequence we usually do. So today's a Wednesday, and the new game uh, that just came out yesterday uh, is Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, it's produced by NetherRealm Games. It's also by you know that's kind of a it's a subsidiary of WB. It's the same company that made Injustice and Injustice 2. So I like Injustice 2. Because it has DC characters and I'm a giant loser or nerd, however you want to put it. Uh, but what I liked a lot about the Injustice 2 game is that it was a beautiful game. The facial expressions, the special effects looked amazing. And this is just a repeat of that. So last night I got it streamed for the first time in a while. Um, I streamed the entire campaign, the story mode. The story mode's only about five hours long, but it's a fighting game. And it's really, how much story can you show with, like, the best way I can describe it is like a um, a ninja movie where you just kind of, like, everyone talks a little bit, some action sequences, then you fight. Talks a little bit, then you fight. So it's just basically what you expect out of a story mode for, like, a fighting game. But the special effects, the uh, the acting, the... Uh, the facial expressions, the the overall graphics of the game are stunning. Absolutely stunning. My only complaint about voice acting and all this stuff is Ronda Rousey plays Sonya Blade in this mo- in this uh, game. And some of her lines, and I was talking to Gabe about this, some of her lines are just are just rough, to say the least. Like it's just real bad at times. Um, rough like in terms of her delivery of those lines or like what was scripted yeah, for that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, are you trying to say are you trying to tell me that Ronda Rousey isn't a great actor slash voice actor she's got work to do she's some parts she's fine and she's Mm -hmm. good other parts is just like all right let's just move on from that it's just really she's making a career change okay she's making a career change gotta get she's like a big old wwe fan or wwe character and everything too but she's taking a break from that i think actually i think she just announced she's taking a break because i think she's starting a family she said that was just a couple weeks ago though this is me keeping up with uh, your WWE. So we switch now back we, to Justin. Are we pivoting to a WWE podcast? Is that what we're doing right now? Because <laughs> man, I haven't paid attention to wrestling. I'll talk about Degeneration X time. all day long if that's what Will you want to do. Jeez, no, all right, no, it's all right, that's all right. That's okay, all right. okay. All right, so um, there are twenty-five characters in the main roster. One of the characters is through if you pre-ordered and. Pretty much everybody in the world pre-ordered this game because it just the hype was just so huge on it. The downloadable char- the uh, pre-order character Shao Kahn. Shao Kahn's the big villain from the second movie um, that was played by the bad guy from I think Cobra. Is that the guy? He was in Cobra. He was the bad guy from Cobra. Could be. I don't. And remember. he's also he's also I Shao Kahn. Not to remember. Uh, and uh, so the story as it goes. Okay, so Mortal Kombat lore is nuts um, because. You're talking about a game that came out like 1992 or something like that. And back then, lore in video games was covered in the booklet in the front of the game. Which you don't get those anymore. You just don't get those at all in video games. Um, now there's like actual like websites and stuff that support all the information. But like, so Mortal Kombat's past is very sorted. Has a lot to do with like time jumps and alternate realities and all stuff. So... They kind of like this is the first time that they've had a game where there's like an actual story driven thing. Mortal Kombat 10 was a little bit, but then they really showed their flexing of their muscles with Injustice 2. 
their ability to show a story through a, a fighting game. And then they uh, they really did really well in this. The idea is Raiden's been screwing with the time stuff, things. So the god of time, who's like the super elder god, uh, wants to reset time and uh, stop Raiden. So what she does, she merges old time with, with current time. So you get fun little interactions like Johnny Cage from 1992 and Johnny Cage now. Or you get Jax from 1992 and Jax now. And old evil Scorpion with new cool Scorpion, you know. And, like, there's really cool little stuff like that. You get uh, uh, Kano was in the first game, and he's also in this game. So you have young Kano and new Kano. So it's, like, it's some interesting little stuff. And all it is, really, is a way to show, like, more skins and more variety of characters and some just interesting interactions. And overall, the game story is kind of inconsequential. It's all just about fighting. The fi so let's talk about the fighting stuff. So the netcode in this game is insane. It's one of the best netcodes across all types of fighters. And netcodes is basically just like lag between person to person and input uh, and all that stuff. So it's unbelievable. The frames between different fightings, uh, you know, because everything's about frames and how, how, many, how much opening you have and punishment and stuff like that is great. The... Uh, the settings, the stages that you're in are fantastic. One of my favorite ones is at NetherRealm Studios, where it's like a, a NetherRealm's the company that builds, so it's like a stage, and you have like all the Mortal Kombat uh, towers in the back, and like it's just like a, it looks like a conference room, so it's pretty cool. Um, and overall, like, the the combat's pretty fun. Now, I played it for five hours last night. Um, I also did some of the Crypt today, so there's a couple different modes. You can do the story mode. You can do towers. Towers are basically, they're from the, the first game. They're just challenge towers. As you go through the towers, you earn achievements and you get gold. And different types of things you can kind of like earn through grinding through some stuff. There's daily towers and weekly towers and like overall game towers. I did one tower today that was a Jax's tower because he's my favorite. And um, when you beat the tower, you also get like an ending for that particular character. And so... Uh, when you go to the tower, you earn gold and different types of, of, of monies or like consumables. You then take those things to the crypt. You walk around the crypt and unlock boxes. These boxes are filled with artwork from the game, uh, skins for the game, more resources, or like, um, different types of attributes you can put on your characters because every character is kind of, uh, like customizable because in, in, in Justice 2, you can kind of like get different face masks or armor sets for different characters, kind of up their abilities and stuff like that. Also, it's all just a lot of cosmetic stuff. So, mostly it's kind of like a grind to get you through the whole thing. Keith, like, was talking to me about it today. He said you have to spend, like, $6,500 of real money just to unlock it for, you know, money instead of going through the whole crypt and everything. And I'm assuming he's already done that. Uh, he's like, he, he just goes, he goes, should he gets... I? And so, I'm like, I don't know shit. So, it's just a way to get the people to keep on playing the game, you know. Otherwise, if you have, it's a five-hour story mode. People are complaining online about the fact that it's all grindy. Like, do you want them to just give you everything right at the beginning and you just kind of get yes. tired of it in 10 yes. minutes? You should give them everything right off the bat. You should have access to all the characters that you can play in a competitive, in a, in a game that's supposed to be competitive and supposed to be based on the notion of com competition and that they're, you're only hand-waving a story mode. You should give every competitor But the things you get in the crypt are mostly sort of cosmetic. Balance. They're all cosmetic, so it does nothing to do with the competitive balance. Okay, but that, I mean, you can still unlock all of the like all of the characters and stuff. Like, are all characters unlocked, or do you? They're unlock all unlocked. Characters? The only oh, okay, thing that's yeah, the only okay, th that's fine. The only thing that is delayed right now is there will be there's DLC packs, and that just comes over time because they're just trying to keep the game fresh, you know. But like, yeah, we like, were talking last night because we got into this uh, as we were waiting to to play our, our our game night. We were talking about how like certain games that are supposed to be competitive that are like. We've gotten to the MOBA scene and stuff like that too, and and how they're supposed to be competitive. They're supposed to have this like ladder ranking system, but it's always kind of strange, especially when like you're still preventing so much of the player base from having access to all characters and stuff. So as long as they have access to all characters, I don't care. That's fine. It's access to all. Do your thing. Yeah. The uh, there is no pay to win in this, and like in ranked competitive matches, you the, so the items you get can like enhance your character's powers and stuff like that. But when you do like ranked and competitive matches. It's turned off, so it doesn't matter. Like it's just purely cosmetic. So, like, do I want my Jack's belt buckle to be an eagle or a barbed wire? Clearly, eagle, cause America, right? Or do I want his arms to be look a certain way? Or do I want his clothes? Look it's all just cosmetic. 
in the other parts of the game you can turn on those powers but honestly like for me whenever i would do injustice and stuff i'd always turn it off because it's just more fun to have everybody on an even playing because you can have a guy that grinds out every day and he hits you three times you're dead that's not fair so they made an option that you have to turn it on if that's what you want to do so there's there's it's an even playing ground everyone gets the same characters the only time people don't get the same characters is when dlc comes out and it's a couple months away where it's like okay we're bringing three new characters and you can buy these new characters if you want you don't have to they're not any better or worse than everybody else they're just interesting and different so overall I enjoy the game quite a bit so far. I have a lot to play. I'm going to be playing some more tonight with uh, Gabe and Keith probably and maybe a little bit of Ruben. Uh, there's like four of us got it and I, I can't wait for everyone to get done with their single player stuff so we can all get together and be dumb. And I'm looking forward to it. I am going to become a master one day and by that I mean I might beat Gabe once. So, mm. but probably Yeah, not. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're not very good at video games. I'm not. Um, no, I'm really not. Mediocre yeah. at best. Yeah, I mean... Mediocre at best is, is probably a high bar for you, but I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll give it to you. Like, I'll give it to you. That's fine. You can I, have that. It's like, I'm as good at video games as I am at taking quizzes. We'll say that. Mm-hmm. We'll say sure. That. Like, I I haven't played a real fighting game of that style in a very oh, long time. Oh, you'd give me a hard time. You'd give me a hard time. I Yeah, I'm not particularly good at it. Uh, and the last one I really played was For Honor, and that wasn't like the same style, but it was oh, kind you, of. Oh, you beat the hell out of me when we played. Yeah, that. I got pretty good at a couple of the different characters in For Honor because I actually committed to it, uh, and I was very disappointed. I mean, like, there's a whole lot of things I don't want to talk about For Honor too much. But listen, back in 1993, I want to talk about the height <laughs> of my my Mortal Kombat days. Mortal Kombat Two came out back in '93. And, uh, yeah, we used to play that all the time. Uh, that was the first one that had the fatalities and stuff. So we went we went all into that kind of stuff. I played Sub-Zero. Uh, I think it was Sub-Zero. Yeah, it was probably Sub-Zero all the time. I remember playing in a tournament way back in the day. In really? A mall. Yeah, in a mall. I was, uh, I was yeah, I was super so young. So the women must have been flocking to you pretty much. Right? I, was, I was like 11. So, I mean, I don't know how old I was at the time. Like 12, something like that. I was pretty young. But I remember playing in a tournament. And I remember actually winning the tournament. It was the most exciting thing uh, You're that happened to me in my lifetime. There were like 16 of us. I won the thing. It was great. And then I remember in college uh, when I won a, gold, a GoldenEye tournament uh, in our dorm, uh, in my dorm with the Actually, no, I wasn't living with your brother at the time. This I don't want to talk about gold before. Yeah, 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 yeah. One day we'll tell those stories. But anyway, I've won two video game tournaments in my entire life. Those are the two times. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so I love Mortal Kombat. When I you just were eleven play. and in college, I get it. No, it's understandable. Yeah, I, I mean, I had two peaks, I guess. So I guess that's sort of good, right? <laughs> well, most I mean, people most don't. Most get people one. don't yeah, exactly. I mean, we're still waiting on yours. So I mean, who knows? No, right? one day. Oh, one day. Yeah. See. Uh, okay. Anyway, I'm glad you're liking it. Uh, it's sort of tempting, but I don't know, man. Like, there's no way I could really commit to it. Like, you gotta put time into it. Exactly. Sucks. You know, it takes too much time, and I don't have. Time and and it's, it's about a lot. Of, and like, I played Injustice for a long time, and I stopped playing it for a little bit. And you just some things are kind of like riding a bike, but like other things, like you forget what other people can do, and like your brain hurts because you're old. And then you get tired and want to take a nap. So that's the stuff I struggle with every day. Yeah, I don't know about any of that kind of stuff. For me, it's just, I, I don't know. I don't have the time to invest in what I know is the I go to Home Depot. I don't know if I have time. What are you talking about? With I have a job. Never mind. All right. So anyway, that was Mortal Kombat 11. Justin likes it. Go play it. Everyone's playing it. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, so I want to touch quickly on a comic that one of the ongoing comments that I've been subscribed to uh, on the old comicsology. Uh, I've mentioned a few. I have three ongoing comic subscriptions, Gideon Falls, uh, The Weatherman, and then I want to talk about Die right now. Uh, I talked about this back in episode 41. Uh, I want to touch back on it here because the first arc has now finished up. Uh, it was five issues. The first issue was quite hefty uh, in terms of, uh, I think, if I recall correctly, in terms of page count. So it was actually quite long. Um, and there was, and I, I think that all the issues subsequently ended up kind of being a little bit more in line with what I was expecting from from like the Weatherman or from, from Gideon Falls. But anyway, if if you didn't listen to episode forty one, quick recap of this particular the premise of this story. Uh, so it is a kind of fantasy story uh, slash horror, and it reminded me a little bit of like It uh, to some degree, Stephen King's It, in the sense that um, it had kind of a split timeline thing going on. It was, and in, in, to some degree, like, so there's a group of kids back in the early 90s 
uh, who were playing RPGs together. And one night, something went wrong, and they got sucked into an RPG world. Uh, and then they were gone for a couple of years, uh, disappeared. No one knew where they were. People obviously were probably freaking out, parents, etc. Uh, and then they appeared, like two years later, I think it was. And they appeared in the middle of a street. One of them was was missing an arm, and one of the people, one of the kids, didn't come back. Uh, and then for the the next however many years, twenty something years, um, they couldn't talk about what went down. They just wouldn't talk about it. Uh, so the parents of the one kid who didn't come back are kind of at a loss for like, why can't you tell us what happened? Where have you been? What happened? And they just wouldn't do it. And they're, they weren't doing it just because they were jerks. They, were, they weren't doing it because there was a specific narrative reason. Uh, and so the, the, what the comic does is, is in the first couple of, uh, first couple of issues, it kind of goes into that sort of backstory. But then what actually propels the story forward, like the current story of the actual comic itself, is how the, the five kids who got out are now adults and this is the the main storyline they uh, on a kind of the anniversary of this uh, what happened um receive a a small present uh that's a d20 so a die 20 uh, and then they are magically sucked again back into this fantasy world and that's what we're exploring through issues two three four and five uh so it's a really interesting story because there's a lot of there's a lot of like RPG jokes. So if you've ever, when I say jokes, I don't mean in the sense like this is a ha ha funny type of uh, type of comic. It's actually quite serious and it deals with some pretty heavy storylines. Um, but it's it's sort of based around the principle. Like this group is based around the principle of like a D and D group or or any or any other any other RPG group you want to make. It doesn't have to necessarily be D and D. And so even though it's based around those kinds of concepts um the world itself is not really anything like it's almost like a satirization of a fantasy world uh and it has this blending of fantasy and sci-fi and steampunk kind of all kind of mixed together um which is really really interesting um I, uh, the art is done by stephanie hans and she's become in my my favorite of comic artists i love her work in this uh, in this comic as well and it's written by kieran gillen uh, and he himself is actually designing an RPG system to go along with this particular comic, uh, which is really fascinating because each of the different characters uh, have a different class, and those classes are part of the narrative. So there's blending the narrative of these older people going back to where they once were, where like this major trauma happened as, a, as, a, as, as children. They, in the process of exploring that world, like we're learning about the different characters. It's almost like proof of concept or uh, for like what, a, a game could be like and so there's like a dictator which is a little bit like a bar there's a fool which is kind of like a happy-go-lucky rogue where kind of everything kind of turns up great there's a grief night which is a subset of an emotion night where the night is driven specifically by their emotions to the extreme so like grief so like the the guy in this in this particular comic matt who is a grief knight has to feel intense grief in order for his powers to trigger then there's like this science fiction anomaly called a neo that's a hacker and you're like wait a hacker in a fantasy world but it actually works it makes sense and it's pretty cool um, and then there's like isabel who's a godbinder and it's kind of like a mixture of a warlock and a cleric in some fashion uh, where she gains access to godly powers through this sort of debt and debt system where like she's she's she owes them a favor and they owe her favor so it's, it's sort of really interesting um now the story itself it's i mean i, I don't want to give too much away but they they do get sucked back in and the reason they get sucked back in at this point was because the very person who didn't make it back pulls them back in and we see now 20 something years later what living in that world for 20 plus years without them has done to their their other friend who didn't make it back originally and so now they go on this quest so to speak begrudgingly because they want to get back to their real lives right they have kids they have families they have um, broken marriages that they might be trying to repair uh, they have all sorts of things that they have to concern themselves with in the real world, but they are they are stuck in this world of die, and now they have to navigate this quest that they don't want to do. And in the process of exploring the world again, they're kind of seeing the effects, the long term effects that they that their decisions and their um, their actual questing from when they were kids might have had on this particular world itself, um, which is kind of interesting as well. Like there are times when they run into people that they knew twenty years ago. And who recognize their characters because their characters still look relatively the same, right? Uh, 
but they've been manipulated in some way or there's some sort of trap or the the bad the big bad guy is kind of doing something to to sort of force the the player's hands in some way now the issues four and five which are the most recent ones i read uh, we got to explore some of the world and i really love the world building that's going on here and i can't wait to explore it further because we have locations called eternal prussia uh, which is like this clockwork area we've got these big old clockwork dragons we've got a place called glass town which is where we spend a significant portion of time which is a town that's kind of encased in this uh, D20-ish glass. So it actually looks like a glass prism that's kind of covering the actual town itself. And so they have to head there. Um, there's uh, a whole faction of evil creatures called the Fallen, which are kind of half zombies, half like fallen angels, half some sort of strange sci-fi hacking type uh, creature it's really hard really hard to explain they're not just your your run-of-the-mill kind of zombie uh zombie creature so it's really really fascinating um in terms of the final two issues uh, i and and like the the overall arc that they're trying to do with these these first five um we end at a really interesting place so one of the things i really like about the comic is how it's exploring how difficult it is to maintain friendships for a very significantly long time. Like if you think about your your close friends, your real friends, like how many of the friends that you knew when you grew up with, how many do you still keep in touch with and how 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 present are you really in their lives? And despite the promises you make to do so or despite your intentions, your good intentions to do so, like how well do you really know people? Uh, and then just dealing with the the awful grief. And then if you think about RPGs, in so many in so many ways, we play we play these games, like even playing Mortal Kombat or playing League of Legends or playing D and D or playing Starfinder or whatever it might be. A lot of these are like these escapes. We're playing fantasies to escape from like the anxieties and the pressures and the stresses we have in our lives. And we're doing so because this is enjoyment. This is where we get fun from. But this is this this whole comic is kind of navigating this idea that. This isn't as fun. This is serious. Like this is serious. What actually transpired, and their lives are actually in the process of being threatened, right? Which is pretty fan fascinating. So in issues four and five, we explore uh, in depth the town of uh, we uh, we explore Glass Town, uh, and what the player what the players or the characters are trying to do is they're trying to to kind of bait out the bad guy and confront them because they don't want to go through on this overarching long multi step quest that's very. Um, it's very a stereotypical of like a railroading adventure uh, in a D, you know in a D and D setting or Pathfinder setting or something like that, uh, and so they're trying to bait it out and, and kind of cause a confrontation. Um, I won't spoil exactly what happens, but I will say that issue five we see a couple things happen. Um, one is kind of internally within the group and how uh, it gets destabilized in a particular way because of a decision of one particular character, uh, and then we also get uh, a pretty important and honestly shocking cliffhangery type uh world building detail uh that that gives us a better sense of the origins of some of the factions specifically one within this particular world and completely and utterly raises the stakes of what's actually transpiring right now in the story we knew from the get-go that this was this was dangerous and that they were in danger but how much danger i don't think we really knew until its very end as they kind of give us this revelation and that's what kind of ends the hook on so the the first five issues are going to be collected um into uh, what they're calling fantasy heartbreaker and that's supposed to be released in june and that's going to have some extra some extra little goodies in it including the back essays that kieran gillen has been writing and the essays are really good by the way because um, a couple of them go into just uh, just kind of the, the storytelling uh, philosophy, but also little bits and pieces about the game philosophy. If you're interested in like the die role playing game that they're developing, because um, they are going to start beta testing that soon. Um, it also talks about when the next issue is going to come back out, which is issue six. This isn't going to be till August, and it makes me it makes me laugh when I see the title of it. The second arc is called Split the Party, which is a really funny joke in rpg worlds like whenever you have a group of people go into a dungeon or go into a new area there's always this adage like don't split the party because if you split the party like you you're going to get in trouble like you're going someone's going to wipe someone's going to die etc and it happens all the time it's actually happened in my current my current game anytime we've split the party or my players have split the party usually someone died uh 
I think almost every single time. Uh, and it's and it, not every time they split the party on their own accord. Sometimes they did it because of they had to, right? Um, so there's stuff coming down the pike, but there is going to be a couple months break at this point. Uh, so it won't there won't be any new issues until uh, until later after, until late in the summer. Um, so I would I would strongly encourage anyone who's interested in both role playing games and comics uh, to take a look at this. Like the, the kind of the overlap of the Venn diagram that this is this comic. Like it's so good. Like if you're a person who likes RPGs, if you're a person who likes comics, and if you're a person who loves amazing artwork, uh, I can't recommend I enough. Um, and I, if, if you don't want to buy them individually, I would say definitely wait for June, uh, to get that collection, um, because you're going to get a couple extra essays. Uh, Stephanie Hans is going to do a little bit of an essay as well about art or like some sort of artistic statement, which sounds pretty cool. And so it sounds like they're putting together kind of a nice little package. So anyway, that's Die. It's by Image Comics. It's written by Kieran Gillen with just astounding art by Stephanie Hans. Uh, and so I'll talk about this again, probably down the line after, um, after issue after you know the second arc wraps up it's probably the next time i'll touch base but really really good comic all right man it sounds really good i'm actually kind of interested in reading that one uh, i saw some of the art not too long ago it looks actually really really cool so i might check it out myself too yeah the art's amazing i, I still want to get one of these days i want to get a print uh, of something that she's done for this so i can hang on my wall because it's worth it like the the art's so amazing i, I like it's just so evocative uh, the color palettes are so cool. There's such, there's this red, uh, kind of just, just general red theming kind of going on here and there for various powers and eyes. And I don't know, there's something about it, man. There's something about it that's super evocative. And I love, I'm really digging the kind of blend, like the genre blending that's going on, how there's elements of fantasy, little, little elements of sci-fi, little elements of, of horror. I just love that genre blending. It's, it's really, really cool. All right, man. Uh, so it's time for us to go, uh, challenge ourselves to be better people. And now, it's time for the Gentleman's Challenge. So the Gentleman's Challenge is a segment we do on the Lollygaggers podcast, uh, where Justin and I like to give each other some sort of homework assignment for the week. Now, this homework assignment is often a movie or a TV show, but it's also sometimes a game or a comic to read. Uh, and then to ensure that we completed said homework assignment, we come back on the next episode and we quiz each other about it. And we should warn you that everything we talk about within the Gentleman's Challenge is spoiler heavy. So if there is something that we're covering this week that you don't want to be spoiled about, it's best that you go experience that for yourself first and then come back and listen to the segment. On that note, Justin, I think it's your turn uh, to go ahead and start us off for the week. Uh, so what was your homework assignment? So you assigned me the 2018 action sci-fi thriller i don't know how much action it was but action sci-fi thriller uh 2036 origin unknown so this is directed by hasraf dulol that's the best i'm gonna do with that uh, okay so, so you've already failed uh one quiz question it was how do you pronounce the uh the director's name and you just totally butchered the crap out of it so i tried my best yeah tried my best that you're bash it's also Ooh, written by do that bash. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> uh it's also written by him and uh austin atkinson uh so it stars katie sackoff and like three other people uh ray fearon and julie cox it's really not it's a very small cast um, so basically, okay, so this movie, uh, it's on Netflix, uh, and basically the idea is uh, the Earth is going to Mars, and the first manned space mission is heading there, and during their descent, when they land, uh, there is some type of electrical disturbance, which uh, crash lands the vehicle, and uh, basically, like I think it was six or seven people died in the whole thing. So this movie takes place, I believe it's seven or eight years later, where uh, Katie Sackhoff, her character, is basically trying to uh, head a new uh, probe investigation into going to Mars, but this one's unmanned, it's all through AI. So her link to this is her father was one of the uh, pilots of the spaceship that was heading to Mars the first time. So now it's kind of like she has like uh, personal stakes in this matter. So during this time, there is an AI. Uh, I believe his name was Artis. I hope that's correct. I can't remember. I think it was Artis. 
Uh, so yeah, it's Artie. So a, this AI was artist. Uh, so basically, she's kind of partnered with this AI, but because the human uh, factor kind of screwed up the previous mission, the uh, AI kind of has a lead on this particular uh, mission. So she's kind of just there to help out uh, before she ends up into the at the space station. So she's in the space station before she ends up starting the whole thing. She kind of uh, meets up with an old uh, uh, colleague of hers uh, named Sterling. Sterling is a, used to work in NASA with her and the company she's with, but he recently left to go into a private industry. So Sterling is working for a competitive uh, company that's a little bit more uh, independent. It's, 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 not a, it's not basically reached through NASA or whatever company she's working with. And he's trying to get information on Artie, and so there's kind of this weird interaction with them where he's not allowed into her part of the satellite, uh, he's part of he's only part of his part of the satellite and so it's like he's basically trying to get information so there's kind of like a weird relationship between those two katie's also katie sackoff uh, also has a sister who's on earth who is like a some type of secretary of defense or something i couldn't figure out really what it was and uh she is back at home kind of running the whole situation from where she's at so she's kind of number one in charge so what the line of succession is uh katie sackoff's character is mac Mac reports to Artie, and Artie reports to Lena. And so Lena's kind of top of the food chain, and Artie's kind of like the middleman, because they don't trust Mac to do her work by herself, because she's got a lot of emotions involved with it because of her father. So they end up going to Mars, as they're trying to land on Mars with this rover. The shell doesn't break, as you know, the, um, like the heat shell that's around the craft doesn't break, so they have to kind of like use inventive ways to break it. So Matt comes up with a way to just basically initiate the landing procedures to kind of crack the shell. Um, and uh, Artie's like, it still probably won't work. She goes, just try it anyways. And basically I'm showing that human ingenuity and human gut feeling is kind of sometimes better than percentages and uh, AI and stuff like that. So basically the whole argument of the whole movie is this conversation with her and this AI about is AI able to be trusted what's better ai or human ingenuity and so it's basically this whole thing the best way for me to describe this movie is like 2001 a space odyssey mixed with battlestar galactica and the only reason battlestar galactica comes to my brain no no is because no of the end there's part. no bsg about this other than because it's only because the end part that's the Katie only Sarkoff. reason because the end part what are you talking yeah. about what do you mean because the empire the end well, of this movie is nothing like the end of battlestar galactica we'll get there anyways so uh she so Sterling comes and so there's this whole thing where they think that Artie's brain's been wiped. They find this thing on Mars is like this giant monolith, this big old huge cube. The uh, the uh, it's a Borg cube. It's quite yeah, clearly it's a Borg, a Borg cube. cube. Yeah, it's Borg yeah. cube. The uh, the the rover goes and takes a piece from it. It kind of like can like uh, dissolve and reassemble itself kind of magnetically. Um, there's a, a satellite that's about to hit the hit the space station, and then Artie shoots a, a rocket at it, and that rocket blows up the station, but the station then reassembles itself, so it's, it's weird magnetic stuff going on. While they are messing with the cube, the cube leaves and goes to Antarctica on Earth, so it has like, weird teleportation abilities. So there's that. Um, so basically, this movie is just a series of weird events that happen ro revolving around Artie, Mac, and this cube. In the end, you kind of find out that... So she kind of like goes down to the bowels of the ship, because Artie's memories kind of been wiped, and she reconnects something in the bowels of the ship, which puts Artie's memories 100% back to where it were. It turns out that he's kind of like an alien AI, and he was he's the same thing as that cube. And uh, through his artificial intelligence, he realizes the best way to save man is to annihilate man. So he sends uh, all of the uh, uh, satellites out to blow up everything on Earth and kills everybody through nuclear holocaust. And then uh, suffocates Katie Sackhoff's character. And then that, in the end of the movie got kind of weird for me. Okay, so this is where I was like, what the hell just happened? So the note I put is, not sure if, I, if it's a dumb ending, or if it doesn't make sense, or if I'm too stupid. Um, that's the two things I don't know. Okay. So I don't know if it's bad storytelling or if I'm too dumb. So okay. I tell. So... What do you th what do you think? Ha I mean, like, is so that's what you think happened. So okay. she died. The mm -hmm, AI mm -hmm, put mm -hmm, her consciousness mm -hmm. in an android because there's androids mm -hmm. on the ship, 
and basically he's saying that these cubes are all over the universe because they are the begin they are the alpha and the omega and they restart the universe over and over and over and over and over and over. Uh-huh. So much like how Battlestar Galactica is. Uh, what? This kind of just the whole idea of like stop a, with the Battlestar Galactica. It but makes the, the Battlestar Galactica oh, thing cyclical. You know, that's, everything that's, just goes over and over and over. It's and over. not quite. That's uh, okay. So. Um, you got question number one wrong, which is what happened in this movie, uh, especially how did it end? Because you got that wrong. Okay, I have so, no idea. So the whole okay. So let me go to let me go to question two. All right, I'll I'll explain. But question two, uh, where was okay? So you mentioned the Antarctica, but uh, there was also Max uh, facility, right? So where was Max super secret facility located? Where was it? It was in little... the orbit of it was in the orbit of Mars, wasn't it? That is that is incorrect, sir. That is incorrect. Uh, the correct answer was that uh, the super secret facility was inside a cube. Okay, all right. Uh, what? I'll, I'll I'll explain. Don't worry. Let's just let's just, just, just power through. Let's just power through this quiz. So, uh, qu- is it I'm too dumb? Is that the answer? I don't know. I don't. I don't think it was a particularly well told story. Uh, but I do think there's like I I do think you miss some things. But okay. Again, again, and obviously I could be wrong, but I'm probably not uh, in this case. But I could be wrong. Okay, number three, question number three. There is a fairy tale metaphor that's used from time to time in this movie. Uh, which fairy tale was used in this metaphor, and how or slash where was it used? So there's a fairy tale that was f- that was referenced a few times. Wasn't which fairy the, tale and how was it referenced? Wasn't it uh, Snow White and Seven Dwarfs, right? And she says, uh, "Cue the the Seven Dwarfs music." Is that what it was, or am I thinking of something else? Uh, that is 100% wrong. Uh, the fairy tale is Little, Red, is Little Red Riding Hood. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, and the rover. Little Red is the rover. Exactly. Okay, let me fit. Little Red is the rover. No, it's too late. It's too late. You already answered your <laughs> question. I'm trying to salvage this. That was such an easy question. I thought for sure <laughs> you'd get that one. So Little Red Riding Hood is the fairy tale. Uh, she, basically, she, she Mac, wanted to name the, the rover that they were exploring with uh, Little Red. But they said no, and so her and Artie decide, ah, oh, we're going to call Little Red. Uh, and then at a certain other point in time, she makes an offhanded reference, hoping that like whoever's responsible for the cubes and stuff like that isn't the big bad wolf. So that was the other way it was used. Okay. Let's try my best to salvage that. Final question for you, because you've already gotten four wrongs. So this is actually question five. <laughs> okay. uh, so technically. Uh, so she uses a stress ball from time to time. Uh, can you describe the stress ball for me? Isn't it just this? like a wall ball? It's the best I got. It's like a little wall ball. Like a That's blue it? wall ball. It's, it's the it's earth, like man. Ball. It's the earth. It's the earth. The actual ball itself is a plushie of the earth. Sterling, was a, Sterling picks it, it up at one point. And he's like, he picks it up and hands it to her. And he's like, y'all, you left the world behind. It's a, it's a picture of the globe. It's a globe. It's a, it's a squishy. It's a, it's a ball. He speaks British. I don't it's hard to understand Br- that. <laughs> Justin, it's a different language. I'm so it's sad. I thought it's I put those two language. questions in because I thought for sure you'd get those. It's okay. tough. The guy speaks real funny. Like, oh my god, he really does. All right. So basically, the way I, what I think happened in the movie, and I'm my brain confident. hurt from this movie. All right, we're pretty confident of this. Okay, so the Katie Sackhoff that we see in the movie Mac is not a human. She is, in fact, some sort of android, whatever, whatever term you want to use. Uh, that is currently going through the process of simulation testing. And so that the whole idea of the Turing test that it's being used frequently over and over again, it's not, even though it's supposed to, we're supposed to think it's for Artie, it's actually for her. Uh, it's for them. So like she's going through this process of testing uh, throughout the course of the, the, whole, the whole movie. And so at the very end, she doesn't die. She just sees a, a video of the human Mac dying. That's all it is. But she, the one that we've been following throughout the course of the movie, is is actually a, a clone slash android, whatever you want to call her. And the destruction of the Earth, that happened however long ago. That was not recent. <laughs> That's already happened. This was just all sort of simulation testing to see if she's ready. And she's been in the cube the whole time. So there you go. There you go, buddy. You feel I okay? I did not get that at all. I didn't. I, well, oh, that's boy. the right answer. Uh, there you go. Oh, so man. you got oh five. I'm so sad that you didn't get the fairy tale one. I thought for sure. I was thinking so. I don't know what the heck I was thinking of. Yeah, man, Justin. Oh boy. 
I was I was actually just joking about the director one, so it's really an O for four, uh, but it's still a zero. So I mean, oh, yeah. percentage wise, it's still the same. Don't okay, worry. Cr- okay. Numbers one more time. All right. Though, would you? So let's see. Zero plus zero plus zero plus zero is zero. Okay. All right. You know what I'll do? I'll multiply them what? together. Could you? Yeah. Oh, still got zero. Uh, All right. So uh, my turn. So the equally brain burning story uh, is, that I was assigned uh, for this week's yeah, challenge. Yes. Uh, intellectually, intellectually was, the same. Was much. Walking Tall: The Payback. Uh, now, Walking Tall uh, it was a movie back. I want to say the '70s, and then it was more famously, more recently remade, 2004. With Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, but that is not what Justin assigned me. Because Justin has some sort of strange predilection. Or some predisposition to love Kevin Sorbo. I can kind of understand that. This is the second Kevin Sorbo movie. Spent a lot of my Saturdays no, watching Hercules. Third Kevin Sorbo movie that he has assigned me. Uh, in, the, in the process of this actual uh, podcast. So Walking Tall The Payback. Was one of those sort of direct to DVD sequels. Was starring Kevin Sorbo. It. It essentially has the same plot uh, as the other one. Uh, so it's set in Texas, because of course it is, right? Uh, Boone, Texas, to be specific. Uh, and Kevin Sorbo plays a character by the name of Nick Prescott, who is a former special ops marine type guy uh, who currently is doing some sort of ranch work where he's like breaking in horses and stuff like that. And he's kind of modestly or you know moderately estranged from his parents charlie and emma prescott who actually live in boone kevin sorbo is a little bit outside of boone uh somewhere on the way to dallas uh i don't really know anything about texas geography uh so charlie is the sheriff of boone and currently going on in boone there is a bit of uh, a bit of a crisis happening as there's a bunch of criminals uh that are going around you know just threatening a, a variety of good old-fashioned folk, uh, mom and pop stores, hardware stores, gas stations, etc., uh, because they want to buy up their land. Because we learn later that a uh, an expressway, a highway, is being put into uh, and is going to cut through uh, Boone itself, and we're going to like Boone is going to see they imagine some sort of economic boon. <laughs> see what I did? Uh, because of this. Uh, but uh, a lot of these people don't want to sell because, again, they're just they're just mom and pops. They've been there the whole time. They don't want to do it. Uh, this uh, criminal enterprise uh, is being led uh, by none other than A.J. Buckley, uh, whose name is Harvey Morris. A.J. Buckley, I think, was like he's in one of the CSIs or NCISs or something like that. Uh, you probably recognize the face. He's been in a few other things. His brother uh, is played by Justin. Uh, his name is Walter Morris, uh, and he is the uh, the county uh, the county chief of police. Wait uh, a yeah, it kind of looks like Justin with a mustache. Uh, wait, so kind of, kind of a kind of a portly fella with a, Hold on a with a with a friendly disposition, but uh, not quite capable of uh, interpreting the uh, the narrative thread of a movie. You know, he's he ain't the he ain't wait, the brightest hold, hold bulb in the shed. Is what I'm saying. Hold on, I'm it's actually played by Bentley Mitchum, and I don't know if he's been anything else. But anyway, he's uh, he's Harvey's brother, uh, and he's a cop, uh, chief of police. And uh, Harvey wants to get his brother into uh, Charlie Prescott's, uh, the, that's Kevin Sorbo's father's, uh, sheriff position. So during the course of the movie, uh, or early on, uh, Charlie starts poking around. And he's, you know, he's, an old, he's a good old boy and he wants to do right, you know. Uh, and he starts trying to poke around and get some evidence to figure out what's actually going on. He's sick and tired of all these, these hooligans messing around in his town and stuff like that. There's a big old explosion at the gas station at the very beginning, uh, possibly a murder, etc. going on. Uh, so he tries to rope in some of the FBI folks over in Dallas, but in doing so, he communicates with some uh, an, uh, like an old cop friend of his. But his old cop friend's on the take from this, this big old uh, uh, kind of like an oil and tar and gas highway construction company who are the real big bads of it all and they uh they're kind of orchestrating all this using aj buckley's character and the morris morris brothers uh to kind of do the dirty work to get their hands dirty uh doing all the killing and all the all the the knee breaking or i don't know what the hell you want to call it it's dumb uh so ultimately harvey and walter well not not walter so it's harvey aj buckley the bad guy uh, he uh, he leads uh, a couple of his cohort uh, to attack Charlie, the old man, father of Kevin Sorbo, uh, on the road and get him killed in a vehicular manslaughter incident. And this brings Kevin Sorbo's character, Nick, back to town. And he's going to 
as the title would suggest, get some payback. Uh, and so through no official channels whatsoever, he suddenly becomes sheriff. I don't really understand how. I think he's sort of deputized uh, by uh, by the only black character uh, in the in the show, uh, uh, and then uh, or in the movie. And then uh, he begins to to initiate payback procedures, uh, doing all sorts of things that you would expect of a payback-ish type thing. Like, you know, busting heads and doing things with a bat. And It takes a long time yeah. for action to happen in this movie, by the it's, way. It it's bad. So then, uh, so that happens. He's got a friend um, that he knows from one of the restaurants. And she's she sort of gives, lets them know that the Morris brothers are trying to do some sort of council takeover to get uh to get the you know to get Nick Prescott and his uh and his deputy friend uh thrown out of their office and actually get Walter put in and then that doesn't so when she tells them like they they make all the council guys run away and that gives them time to try to clear up the town gives them like a week uh in that process for reasons I still don't quite understand they decide that they're going to have a rape scene uh because yeah I mean they had no remote narrative a narrative reasoning whatsoever it was just sort of there uh still don't understand why uh it's pretty terrible in fact uh, and it made me just not really want to watch anymore and uh there's an fbi agent as well that uh i guess nick and her are making googly eyes at one another i don't know uh and then um at a certain point uh the uh the harvey morris harvey morris's brother gets killed by one of the representatives of that big old slimy oil company guy uh, and then uh, they pin that on on Nick, and then Harvey thinks Nick killed his brother. Nick thinks Harvey led the the rape of one of his friends, which he did. And the two of them have like a big old showdown uh, at the at the grounds at the end. There's all sorts of explosions. There's a horse that does stuff that makes no sense. Uh, yeah, and somehow Kevin Sorbo's character Nick, with a, a fairly long heavy shotgun, uh, loses or excuse me wins in a quick draw with a pistol uh, against. Uh, Against AJ Buckley, uh, and yeah, Kevin Sorbo kills the guy in the end, and he wins. And then they go have a picnic, uh, literally, uh, at his mom's house. Uh, this movie sucks. Uh, there is there. I mean, <laughs> it's just bad. Like, so I saw Justin and I were talking the other day, and he was, and so I was, I was giving him like a preview of what I'm going to assign him uh, for his next quiz, so that he can get started on it. And uh, he was, he was like mad at me for assigning it to him, and I was like, listen, man, listen, it's. It's relevant, meaning it's it's new, uh, it's good, uh, and and it's kind of geeky, right? And then I said, this movie is none of those three things. Because when you assign a person a 12-year-old direct-to-DVD Kevin Sorbo sequel to a movie that was eh, mediocre at best, no one's really talking about that with two bucks. But anyway, here we are. Um, I think the movie is really... it's When I say it sucks, it's kind of harsh. It's just... There's nothing interesting going on in this. Boring. You've seen boring. you've seen this movie a hundred times, right? And as much as I too enjoyed Hercules and I enjoyed Andromeda with Kevin Sorbo, like it's not like Kevin Sorbo is this this amazing actor. He's he, he's not gonna bring you in or anything like that. And it's not like the the action and fight sequences. It's not like we're watching a, like a Jackie Chan movie or something like that. Like this, they're fine, but. There's nothing special. This is as mediocre as mediocre gets. It's storytelling by the numbers. Like there's there's no there's not a single surprise in this movie whatsoever. Uh, nothing's like you could you could fall asleep five minutes in, wake up five minutes from the end, and still probably be able to put everything together no problem because that's how simple uh, and overly simplified I would say the story is. Um, I highly don't. You know, some of us <laughs> like simple storylines. Sure, 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 sure. Right. I get you. I some highly like to interpret things, and you know, mm-hmm. some of us like that. Mm-hmm. I like using my brain personally, but that's fine. Yeah, it's overrated. As I was trying to say, I highly, highly, highly do not recommend this movie uh, for anyone to watch. Oh, that's it's kind of a switch there. What you did? Yes, yes. So that's what I did. There you go. Uh, by the way, it's directed by Trip Reed, which is an amazing uh, name. Also, the name strange. I don't think it's the same person, but it's also the name of. Uh, of the, uh, the the like the managing uh, like the managing producer at, for a morning show in my area. His name is Trip Reed. I don't know if he still is. I don't listen to the show anymore. But I remember for like a year they did this whole thing with his name Trip Reed. And it was just kind of interesting. And it's written by Brian Strassman. Like no offense, folks. It's just it, w- it just wasn't wasn't good. It wasn't good. So there you go. 
All right, so you ready for those uh, tough questions then? Sure, whatever. I'm probably, I mean, I, I we, we delayed when we did a recording. I watched it like a week ago. I'm not going to get anything. All I got to do is get one, though. Yeah, okay, you, so here we go. You got a pretty low bar to hit. Okay. All right, so what is the best way to contain evidence? Now, this is a multiple choice question, all right? Choice A, is it better to put it into a marked evidence bag that is probably... Uh, you know, sanitized, cleared of any extra particles and stuff, or B, a glad sandwich bag. So what is better to put mm. evidence in? Because that's what he put the gun in. Would it be better in the evidence bag or a glad sandwich bag that has that thing? So this is why the glad sandwich is a good idea. Because it has that yellow thing where, and yellow and yeah. blue makes green seal, man. Yeah, it makes it's clearly seal, so. it's clearly a sandwich bag. It's clearly a sandwich bag. You don't even have to finish the question. It's clearly a sandwich bag. Does an evidence bag have a yellow meets blue green seal? You know? No. Yeah, I would, no. I, I, you know, uh, it's a yeah, movie. I, th- I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. I think Thank you're right. exactly. I, exactly. Thank you. How bad was the budget where they couldn't come? Or like, we can't find, <laughs> we can't find just, a, uh, an evidence bag. Yeah. Uh, Tim, you done with that PB and J? Can I borrow that real quick? <laughs> I'm trying to look up. I'm trying to look up what the uh, what the actual budget was. I can't it's find it anywhere. So it's ridiculous. I'm like, Looking is forward. that a glad sandwich bag? I want to stress that it, it was well put together. It just was there was it there was nothing about it that require that that I would urge you to go see. Like unless you have a relative that's in the movie or was part of the production of the movie, there's no reason <laughs> to see this. Like there's not oh, there's no reason look, to see this. Tim's in the background. I love Tim. Ow. Oh, oh, Mark McCauley's my uncle. So good. I don't know why I just did. Why am I using that so, voice? That makes no that's sense. That's weird that that would be. It was a written. That's strange. Anyways, next question. What is justice really about? Is this what a quote from the movie? Really about. What is justice really? About? Justice. Justice. Uh, is, uh, huh. Justice. Well, I know that David Justice, former Atlanta We Braves don't say his slugger, name around Indians fans. We don't say his name. <laughs> was, <laughs> was all about hitting home runs, my friend. In the 1995 World Series. So that's my answer. Night. That's my answer. David that's Justice absolutely wrong. I should all about negative him. numbers on that. <laughs> David Justice is a, is a swear word in this household. I got nothing. I don't know. I don't know the answer. Uh, justice is really about power and money. Really oh, I think I actually knew that. I didn't take. I didn't take notes. I was so bored. I didn't take notes. I was like, I don't want to take notes. <laughs> it's like, I, I guess I'll care. probably get it right because this is really care. unoriginal. <laughs> okay, good. All right. What's the plan that they use to delay the sheriff election? Okay, so what they do is they get all of the members that are of that kind of city council that can that has the power to put a new sheriff to get a new sheriff kind of temporarily put in because the sheriff election still isn't going to go down until a couple of months. But what they could do is they could put a temporary sheriff into place because of the death of Charlie Prescott. And so the plan that they used to delay it was they were going to send all of the council members to. Uh, out of town for like a week, but no one was allowed to know where they were going and they weren't allowed to tell each other where they were going. And so by doing so, when they went to the council meeting on Wednesday, they wouldn't have any council members there. So they wouldn't have a quorum and they wouldn't be able to actually assign a new sheriff. You are correct, sir. So you've already Thank beaten you. me for the challenge. Well, I've right, got so two question. right so far. I got two right so far. I'm, I'm, right, I'm, right, I'm way out in front. Here we go. Let's do it. All right. So was that the coolest standoff Ever? Now, here's some evidence as I put towards it, okay? So, first first bit of evidence. Um, the number of barbed wire tattoos on the bad guy is going to up it a little bit. There's also that one across yeah. his collarbone. Pretty solid. Right. Yeah. Next thing. There's multiple explosions, and mm-hmm. neither of them even flinch. Not even I a know. second. I know. I said, it to, I said it to Melissa when I was watching this. I'm like, man, look at that. Look at the concentration. The so concentration cool on Kevin Sorbo just doesn't Some cool even guys blink. not even look at a single explosion. All right, so is it the best standoff ever? I hear what you're saying, uh, but the the correct answer is no because the best standoff is from Tombstone when you see you think it's going to be Kurt Russell in wider busting out, uh, but it's not. It's Val Kilmer, and uh, he's Huckleberry. like he says, "I'll be a Huckleberry," and uh, and uh, he gets all scared. It's it's amazing. That, that that oh god gives me goosebumps just just talking about it. But that's the best standoff. So second best standoff, absolutely, but can't possibly be best as long as we live in a world where Tombstone exists. No, no, no. 
Sorry, Jeff, you're wrong. Um, the best standoff of all time is clearly Reservoir Dogs. That was not. No, you're right. Question. It was Tombstone. It was Tombstone. You're right. It was Tombstone. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'll give you that one too. Reservoir all right. Dogs. That was not a good standoff. Okay. Mexican like... standoff. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Next question. How is Charlie, Nick's dad, only like ten years older than him? Because here's the thing. The, the actor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kevin Sorbo looks very young for his age because of the miracle of high, of hair dye and working out. But Kevin Sorbo in this movie is probably 50-ish, 52-ish maybe. And the actor that plays his father is no way he's in his 60s. He's probably 5 to 10 years older than him. So how is it possible that his father is only 10 years older than him? Um, through the magic of cinema. Uh, also, Kevin Sorbo was, I think, 49 at the time. And I just learned something right now that Kevin Sorbo and my wife have the same birthday. Same birthday, September 24th. Sorry, Jeff. The answer's wrong. The answer was time jumps. So there's this whole thing in the movie. That I, couldn't, I, can't, I, don't understand, I can't see how you can uh-huh. see it because, you know, it's a lot like oh, the 2036 movie. There's this whole subplot in this movie with time thing. jumps uh, between okay. – uh, yeah, so it's time jumps. Sorry. So you're wrong in that question. We're going to move on to the next one. Sorry, cannot linger anymore. Uh, next question. You still have questions, huh? Okay. Last question. still going. Who has the larger forehead? Is it the head thug with the giant uh, handlebar mustache? Is it Peyton Manning? Or is it Hurtwood Larson, the father from that 70s show? So who has a bigger forehead out of those three guys? You put Peyton Manning into the question, so it's clearly Peyton Manning. That dude's forehead is so big. Oh, my gosh. I'm pretty sure. Have you ever seen the photo of him, like his rookie year to his uh, retirement year? It's like his forehead. No, I haven't. It's really weird. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure we're, we're fighting with the Chinese to see who's going to land on his forehead and plant a flag first because that thing's so huge it has its own orbit. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah uh, I just really want to put that question in because uh, I always like a, Hurtwood Lar- a Kurtwood Larson um, uh, plug into anything I do. Um, I love his character in that 70s show. I put my foot in your ass. And, uh, yeah, he also, he's, he's Kurt, in RoboCop. Kurtwood Smith? Isn't it Kurtwood Smith? It was Kurtwood Larson. Kurtwood, Kurtwood Larson. Really? Hmm. Yeah, I learned something in, today. He was in uh, RoboCop as well. Anyways, so yeah, uh, we'll uh, give you we'll give you half answer for that because I, I I like that seventy show guy, but you gave a good a good response, so I'll give you half. So you got one, two, three, three and a half. Sorry, Jeff. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead one. and just take full credit because the actor's name is Kurt Woodsmith. It is not Kurt Ward Larson, and you are wrong. I'm gonna just go ahead and take the full internet lied to me. I'm sorry. Oh my God. I'm sorry, Kurt Woodsmith. I was gonna say I don't know who the hell you're talking about, Kurt Ward Larson. So that's, I'm just going to go ahead and take this. I got like four points or something like that, right? It's fine. It's good. It's fine. Okay. You ready for new, uh, what are those things called? Challenges? You ready for new challenges? I guess so. Okay. So I've already given you yours because I want you to get a head start on it. But I want you to watch, Justin, the first three episodes. And it's very important that you watch the first three. Uh, the episodes themselves are between about 30 and 45 minutes or so. Uh, I want you to watch the first three because the third one, I think it's going to give you the willies. Uh, and so the, oh, the show I would like you to watch it's called Black Summer. Uh, it's a new Netflix zombie apocalypse television show uh, starring Jamie Presley. So go right ahead. All right. So Black I'm going to go with the exact opposite spectrum of entertainment. Okay. Um, White give you, Winter. Yeah. I'm going to give you White Winter. Uh, <laughs> I'm already watching that. Almost, this, almost that. Uh, it's a unicorn store uh, starring and directed by Brie Larson on Netflix. Oh, um, okay. So you're going to Indian, Indian weird. So, okay. Uh, Right up your alley, I guess. So there you cool. go. Cool. Can't can't wait. Awesome. Woo-wee. We're gonna talk about nothing but Brie Larson next week as we do our Avengers episode and talk about her uh, her indie movie. I'm gonna Netflix. talk solely about uh, Chris Hemsworth and his sweet abs. Hopefully they show up okay. in the movie. Cool. 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 All right. Uh, on that note, we're gonna go ahead and check out uh, for this week. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, uh, if you don't mind hopping up on iTunes uh, or wherever it is you get your pod- our podcast from. Uh, drop a little review, a like, a subscribe, a star, a thumbs up, whatever the stupid mechanism that they use uh, to say that, uh, hey, we're doing good stuff. Uh, we'd appreciate it. If you want to hit us up on social media, you can catch me at, at LollyGeigerCo on Twitter. Justin's at JDBuys. Uh, he's got his twitch.tv slash Jehuva, but he's not doing it right now because he's, he's he's busy making his Going his like in and out pretty. of it. I did something last night. Um, I'm hoping there, that you get sure. some, uh, some of your MK up there because I would love for the listeners to see Gabe... Uh, just beat the uh, beat your ass. Uh, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Okay. Uh, so on that note, uh, Justin, um, I have a question that I would like you to answer because we're, we're about to leave. 
and I don't actually prep these questions beforehand. And so I what I'm doing right now is totally stalling because I don't actually have a question yet. So, uh, Justin, um, if you were uh, to use some sort of, of weapon, like some sort of improvised weapon, like say you were in an apocalypse or say you had to get some sort of revenge against some thugs in your hometown, uh, what is your preferred uh, improvised weapon and why? Does this have to be within my general vicinity? It's, yes, uh, it's got to be a realistic thing. Like, you can't say a cricket bat because you ain't got no cricket bats. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I would take a uh, weed whacker and I would kill people with an electric weed whacker. And here's why. Um, first off, I have it at my house because I, I, I like to lessen my carbon footprint because I love America and I love the U.S. and I love the world. I don't want to listen to but uh, the death of a electric weedwhacker would take so long and be so arduous and difficult that it would uh, be torture. So that's why I choose electric weedwhacker. There you go. 